we were like, okay, so what did we learn the past few years? And the first thing Jacob said is, ultra running is traumatizing. Running 100 miles seems impossible. And maybe even kind of crazy. And it is. But we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Welcome to Trail to 100. I'm Jacob Bateman, a beginning ultra runner, just in my first, in my third year of ultra running, and we are excited about today's episode. We started this podcast by me and my wife, Melody, telling our story about how we trained for and ran our first 100-mile race back in 2020. The whole purpose was just to document our experience so that other beginner ultra runners out there could see what we did and hopefully in turn do it themselves. Now we've kept the podcast rolling and we've had some amazing guests on the show, but today we're getting back to the original origins of the show. It's just going to be me and Melody, and we're going to try to bring you guys a Me and Melody episode at least once a month along with our guests as we have a special announcement that we are making in this episode. So stick around. You're going to want to hear it. We talk about all our lessons that we learned through the first three years of ultra running because, man, did we learn a lot. And, man, were we ignorant. Anyways, so you're going to want to hear this. Last thing is I apologize for the sound. I myself am not the best tech guy. We do all this ourselves and I might have had the wrong mic on, but you can still hear it. You can still understand it. It's just not as crisp as usual. So sorry for that. We hope you forgive us. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us here on Trail 100. I'm Jacob Bateman. Joined along with me is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. Hey, guys. And you got just the two of us today. Back to the OG podcast. We thought it's been a little bit since we hopped on and updated you guys on our training. That is what originally got us into this podcast is just sharing our story. So we thought we would update you on where we're at. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, this is a podcast made exclusively for beginner ultra runners because we ourselves are relatively new to the ultra world. We ran our first ultra back in 2019, ran our first marathon in 2018. You know, we we just dove right in, did our first 100 in 2020, you know, and it's been a whirlwind. It really has. We were talking before this podcast. We were like, okay, so what did we learn the past few years? And the first thing Jacob said is, ultra running is traumatizing. (laughs) It kind of is. Like, we literally have trauma from some of the runs we've been on. Like, like one 26-mile run, Jacob was dry heaving the entire time. We've had runs where it's, you know, above 90 degrees and we run out of water. We've had runs where we're just out there all day and we're tired and sore. And then we sleep for three days afterwards, but we also have had amazing times. And the amazing thing about ultra running is 
okay, it's hard. You go to those really dark places, but then when you finish that run or when you finish that race, it's a hundred percent worth it. Yes. And you feel amazing about yourself and the time that you spent and just also, as you guys know, we do it all on the trails and just the meditation and the pushing through. We definitely have discovered a lot about ourselves and about each other. But here's the thing. We are the perfect examples of learning the hard way, right? We we didn't have any friends who did this. We didn't have any family members who did this. We just decided to jump right into ultra running and we kind of had to figure out on ourselves. We kind of forced ourselves into the running community and we've we've learned a lot. And so what we wanted to do is hop on today and kind of share what we've learned the past three years and and what we're going to do different in our training this year. So we have officially signed up for another 100 miler. We're going for it, guys. So for those of you who are just hopping on, we did our first 100 in 2020, like Jacob mentioned. And it was a self-supported 100 because we'd signed up for the U100, but it was canceled. So we did our own race. So we're coming back this year, and we are officially shooting for the U100. That's right. So how did we decide to do this again? Okay, we're terrified. Now that we've done it once and we know what we're getting ourselves into, it is 10 times scarier. And now it's an actual race. There's going to be cutoffs. We can't just go at our own leisurely pace. And there's going to be way more climbing. The elevation is insane. But the reason we decided to do this is because, I mean, this is the race we signed up for in the very beginning. This was a 100-mile race we signed up for, and we don't want to back out. The it's biggest and it's, it's We've free, already signed has up been for deferred. It. <laughs> Last, the, 2020 was canceled. 2021, they had a forest fire, so it was canceled again. So... Here it is, 2022, and it's just sitting there. And so we're like, do we take it? Are we going to go for it again? Ultra running is pricey, guys. It is expensive. People are like, oh, running is the cheapest sport. You just put on some shoes and go. Okay, no. It's way more complicated than that. you got to have two pairs of shoes, and then your shoes get old, so you got to get another pair. you got to get the running pack. And let's not even get started on the race nutrition. My goodness gracious, Ooh. it's pricey. Anyways, the big thing... Jacob's a little tired today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the big thing that convinced us to do this 100 finally, because we've been flip-flopping back and forth. We haven't wanted to announce it on the podcast. But we did an interview with Joe Corsione. Joe Corsione. And he inspired us. He said, <coughs> now I'm coughing. Jacob's cough is contagious. So he said that... The most fulfilling accomplishments are the ones that you were scared to shoot for. And we realize that we're terrified of the U100. I'm terrified of running 100 miles, period. After doing it once, I'm not going to lie. I hear a lot of people that talk about how much they love the love running 100 miles and okay it was super cool and i did really it it was really cool but it was really hard and really traumatizing 
and it's just hard for me to want to do it again knowing now because at first I'm just naive, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go run 100 miles. You're naive. We have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. Don't know what's going to happen. Now I know what can happen and the pain and the nutrition and the stomachs and, you know, the, the blisters and the headaches and the mental the the climbing yes just knowing that you still have 40 more miles to go after you've already gone 60 it just is terrifying i'm not gonna lie though as you're listing these things off it's actually firing me up it's making me excited i'm like yeah the heat the blisters bring it on where i'm at honestly is i really do feel like i'm in a place to run 100 miles i really like that 100 miles doesn't scare me at this point but the U100 scares me because it's not just 100 miles, it's 100 miles with 18,000 feet of climbing with very technical terrain. Like an average elevation of around 10,000 feet. Yeah, yeah. So that's what scares me. And at first I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm thinking about these things that just excite me. Like, let's let's do like the Pony Express 100. It's completely flat. Or let's do our own supported 100 again. Or you know, all, all these things, or let's do a 50, like 50s don't scare me, like Dead Horse 50, that doesn't scare me, that's just a fun race, it's a fun flat race, I know I'm going to finish it, and I just am like kind of tired of setting these big scary goals, but like I said, we did that podcast with Joe, and he's like, the most fulfilling ones are the ones that you're scared of, and I, you 100 popped in my head, and I'm like, that's what I'm scared of, so that's the one that, that I should be doing, so. And you know, and I also as I've decided on if I want to do this, really want to do this hundred, you know, I'm self-employed, Melody's self-employed too. And it can be easy to let running get in the way of our business or, you know, our money because we control our own schedule and you think, okay, well, I'm going to go out and run. Even if I wake up a little bit later, you know, it's still a good thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but, and I have fallen into that trap. I'll just be honest. It's happened. And I've been neglecting some of my... Falling into the trap of running instead of working. Yes. Of maybe letting myself sleep in or not being effective with my time. And then be like, okay, now I'm finally going to get my day started and go for my run, even though I should have left an hour earlier to go for that run. And so, you know, I was thinking like, you know, because... Running doesn't support me. Running doesn't buy my food. It's in a fact, hobby. It's not our number one priority. Running takes my money. <laughs> yes, it does. And so I just thought, you know, I if I'm going to run 100 miles, like I have got to start exerting more discipline. And, it, and I need more discipline in every aspect of my life. And so as I was contemplating, like, what was most important and how to best, you know, be effective with my time. I thought, okay, I need more discipline in my business. You know, as being self-employed, I need to have more discipline. What I'm doing is I'm getting by right now, but I really, if things are going to actually develop, I need to be more disciplined. And so then the thought occurred to me, okay, then be disciplined and train for your hundred mile. You can train for your hundred mile race, but you got to train for it in the right way which means waking up early, you know, even on days where you don't want to wake up early. And 
and going to bed on time and, you know, setting my business hours and being like, you know, okay, I'm working from nine to six today. That means it, I, you know, it's just like a job. I got to get my running in and be showered and ready to get to work by 9 a.m. So whatever I have to do, make it work, you know, just be disciplined. And then I thought, man, if I can do that and be more, be a more disciplined runner and be a more disciplined businessman and be a more disciplined family man and be a disciplined, more spiritual man in, in my church matters as well, that how much more will that mean if I can go out there, hit that U100, knowing that I've trained, I've given everything I had to train properly with what I had and hopefully finish it. So, AKA getting your priorities straight. Yeah. Putting God, family, work before running. Yes. Right. Exactly. Because I, I haven't always had my priorities straight. I have put running before. It's easy to make it number one. Yes. Because it's easy and it's fun. Yeah. And for some people, it might be. And that's fine. But our, my priorities, I know yours are similar. Yeah. Our God, family, work for like the first three things. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, running isn't life. I, I love it and it makes my life better mm-hmm. and you know I always want to have it in my life but I gotta know it's not my life I just decided that I always want to be in a place where if something terrible happened and I all of a sudden couldn't run anymore I don't want to feel like my identity has been taken away from me mm-hmm. I want to feel like I can I'm still I'm still me and I can fulfill my purpose in another way if that makes sense yeah so that's kind of something if if I start to think to myself, okay, if I just all of a sudden couldn't run anymore today, how how would I handle that mentally and emotionally? And there's some days where I answer that question and I'm like, I'd be fine. I'd take up rock climbing or biking or it's fine. It doesn't define me. And then there's other days where I'm like, oh man, it would destroy me. And and that's my sign of, okay, I've been, I've been putting a little bit too much focus on running. Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to get my priorities straight again and do this in the right way. Because I think even when we trained for our first hundred, I don't think I'd train totally. I got the training in, but I still think I had some whack priorities. It was easier, though, because you did have a nine to five. Yeah, I did have a nine to five. You weren't in in charge of your own schedule. Sometimes I didn't wake up before I had to go to work. And then I was not spending time with you or not spending time with God or, you know, or with family because right when I get home from work, rather than go be with the people I love, I went for a run because I slept in that morning, Right. you know? And so that's where I want to change. I want to know where my priorities are and know that running's got to fit around that and then do what it takes to get what I need from the running world. And I personally think that by doing that, it's going to improve our running. I think by going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time every day, that's that's going to boost our energy. We're going to feel better. And I personally think that by putting God first and making him our priority, that he'll give us strength to complete the 100 or or to get further than we would have. Yeah. So that that's something that motivates me too to to. And that, keep our priorities that straight. excites me to and and that makes me really want to feel proud of myself if i'm able to do that yeah, yeah. so i'm excited for that part and i'm excited to use training for this hundred as a way to motivate me even more to exert more discipline and 
priority in my life. Yeah, well, something that I'm also trying to do is how can I tie this back to what I feel like my purpose is or what I feel like is the most important, which is gone family. How is training for a 100 mile race going to make me a better wife, a better mother? How is it going to help me be a disciple of Christ, right? And basically finding a deeper why, like a deeper motivator for doing this, I realized that a lot of my motivation was coming from external validation. I really liked people saying, wow, that's so cool. You've run a hundred miles. Wow. You're an ultra runner. The likes on Instagram and Facebook, right? Like that stuff. But that, that is not going to take you very far. I realized that when I was laying on that kind of motivation, that my motivation was dwindling. It, it wasn't there. And, and granted, motivation is never really going to last. I mean, when you, it gets hard. Right. It was right. motivated when it's hard. Right. It, it eventually does come down to willpower, but it, it has helped to have this, this deeper why of, of why am I doing this? I'm doing this for God. I, I'm doing this to inspire others. I'm doing this so I can become you know, more, more mentally calloused and more emotionally strong and stable for God and and for my family and for the people around me. So that, that has, that's been really helpful. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I like, I like your wives. And you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. In the meantime, we have a training race coming up in eight weeks Eight weeks. Called the White Pine Solstice. Solstice. Yes. And it's uh, above Tooele, Utah. Part of the Tooele Trail Racing Series. Amazing race series. Shout out to Jimmy Thomas. Yeah. And you can go check out the race director. He came on our podcast. Go look for Jimmy Thomas, becoming an ultra runner with Jimmy Thomas in our past episodes. But we signed up for his race. And that race is a 50K And many of you are probably like, okay, cool, 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 with 14,000 feet of climbing. You guys, that's basically (laughs) as much climbing as the U100 in 30 miles. We thought that'd be a good training run. If... I feel like if we can finish that and feel okay, yeah. that will give us confidence. So honestly, right now, my focus is on white pine mm-hmm. and being like, okay, and trying to get ready for that. Because, yeah, what you're saying is if I can finish the white pine and feeling okay, I'll probably still feel racked. But, oh, yeah. but if I can finish that white pine like with 14,000 feet of climbing and 30 miles – then thou how empowering that will be to give me beliefs that I can do it with you. We're looking forward to it. It'll be fun. We did the White Pine Solstice a couple years ago. It, the longest distance at the time was 12 and a half, and that was brutal. It's high yeah. elevation. You peak two mountains. So we're trying to, you know, multiply that by, now we're peaking four, mountains. by four, basically, or yeah. double that. So, but it should, it should be fun. So, you know, baby steps, focus on that, then the you and you know, go from there. So what we want to dive into next is what we've learned the past few years of training and what we're going to do different. Do you care if I start with some things? So the main things that I learned the past few years and from our last 100 are these things. First of all, don't spend a lot of time at the aid stations. During our self-supported 100, we spent forever at the aid stations. Part of that was because we had friends and family come and they, they traveled a long time and we kind of felt obligated to yeah. stay there and, and socialize with them and thank them for bringing food and stuff. But yeah, we spent a lot of time. So 
don't neglect yourself. Go to the aid station, take care of what you have to take care of. But once you've done what you need to do, get moving. So that's a really big one. Another one is nutrition. When we did our first hundred, we knew nothing about nutrition, nothing. The only thing we knew is that you had to eat real food because you're on your feet for two days straight and you want to eat constantly throughout the run. That's something that I didn't do. I was eating constantly until about mile, I forget, about mile 40. And then I I wanted a break from eating. So I stopped and then I was sick the rest of the race. So something I'm going to do this time is I'm going to eat the entire time, even when I don't want to. Julie Shobe was on. She's a nutritionist for ultra runners. She talked about, that's, that's another episode. Go back and listen to it. It's amazing. If you're confused about nutrition, go listen to it. But she said that eating during training, it's not intuitive. You're going to have to eat when you don't want to eat. And that, that was uh, life-changing for me. So we've been practicing that on long runs. We practiced that on a trail marathon we did a couple weeks ago. And I really noticed a difference. When I was eating every 30 minutes, I didn't get sick. I had energy. I felt good. And we have invested a lot in good nutrition. We do a lot of waffle honey stingers. Is that what they're called? The honey stinger mm-hmm. waffles. We do spring energy. We've, we've been doing tailwind. We love the cliff cliff energy chews the cliff blocks whatever they are we have these chia seeds we have that's it bars we got gnarly protein like we we've invested in the food and it's made a really really big difference and on top of the nutrition during training and during racing I've also been focusing on my nutrition outside of training and I I mentioned in earlier episodes that I was really into fat adaptation and fasting and that was not working for me. I, I ended up with really, really high cortisol levels. I lost a ton of weight. I go back and I look at pictures and I'm stick skinny, right? And I was excited about that at the time, but I realized I lost a lot of muscle. I wasn't feeling good. My anxiety was high. And then I also had this realization that, you know, I don't see any other female athletes who are fasting or trying to become fat adapted. I haven't seen that. If you guys know of, of a female athlete who does that, connect me. I'm, I'm interested. I'd, I'd like to learn. But I've had multiple nutritionists and multiple female athletes. And I've, I've been paying attention to Sally McRae and Courtney DeWalter. They're kind of my, like most people, they're my female ultra running idols. And so I've, I've paid attention to how they eat. And the pattern that I'm seeing is consistent eating throughout the day, lots of carbs. So that's what I'm trying. I've, I've been working with a nutritionist, Jill Griffiths. She's fantastic. You can look her up on Instagram. We'll put her in the show notes. And I've been keeping track of my macros. I've been eating five to six times a day. Uh, and I've upped my calories. And not that it's ever about looking good or, or losing weight. It's about feeling good and performing good and having energy it was really interesting how I upped my calories and I actually lost weight and I have a lot more energy. I feel a lot better going into runs. I do not run fasted anymore. I, I have noticed a balance in my hormones. I'm not breaking out as much. I would love to do 
I, I just love it. I, I'm all about this. Nutrition is so important. And I just, that's something we did not understand well, before. You know what we didn't even eat during our 100 mile training? Protein? Yes. We didn't eat any protein. And I was always dragging so hard. And here's the thing. We've had some people say, okay, protein doesn't matter. It's all about fat and carbs. And I haven't really experimented with protein while running yet. We're still in that process of yeah, experimenting. I'm talking like recovery wise. And recovery. We, we're eating a lot more protein. But I've noticed outside of training, I've been eating protein with every single meal and I do not feel bloated anymore. If I eat protein, I don't feel bloated. So it just makes sense. I, I feel like you should be eating like how you do normally on a training run, right? Yeah. So anyways, we'll keep experimenting that and update you guys on, on how we feel incorporating more protein. But I can see what Julie Show was saying. I can see why she, like, she says that's important. Well, again, we never drink any protein shakes afterwards, or at least I didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I just can totally see why I was – I remember just being so tired all the time. Mm-hmm. and I can totally see my nutrition. I wasn't, I just wasn't paying attention to it, you know, and I just ate whatever, you know, like, and, and I wasn't hardly eating any protein, and I can totally see why. And so I'm excited to, like, now be more conscious. I'm drinking a protein shake every morning, and just being like, okay, you know, I'm going to get in my protein. I'm going to get in my food because I need this to recover in order to get out there and do all, put these high mileage weeks. Like it finally clicks in my head. Like it's so important to eat the proper foods for recovery. So that way your body can recover. So, so you can get out and put in these high mileage weeks. Cause if not, yeah, your body's not ever going to recover when you're, and you're just going to, you're just going to feel it. And everybody told us that, like, food is so important, nutrition, nutrition. And we were like, yeah, you know, it's important. And, you know, and we did okay. I mean, we, we've always been relatively healthy, you know, quote unquote healthy. What is healthy to you, right? But fruits and veggies, try to drink lots of water, avoid sugar. But yeah, we, when, once we realized that we were not, eating right and we were not eating enough we we've changed some things in huge difference so seriously you guys it is so worth it buy a book hire a nutritionist contact us contact julie shobe uh, she you can find her information in a podcast a uh, few podcasts down but find someone learn some stuff about nutrition experiment more but figure out your nutrition because it is a game changer i think it's it's more important than than almost anything is getting your nutrition down. So that's one thing we're excited to change up. Another thing that I'm excited about and that I've learned is races, mini races between the big races are amazing for training runs. And because it can it can be really hard to plan a 30-mile run really hard especially in the mountains okay it's easy to plan a five mile loop and run that six times but that's boring as all get out and you know like when you're in the mountains and you know you're due for a 25 mile run but then it's like okay well where am i gonna get my water because 
one and a half liters isn't going to last me eight hours. So much pain. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and then stress and, and thinking, okay, the map says there's a stream there. I hope it hasn't dried Let's up. Pray there's a stream we're there. gonna have to filter some water out of that because if not, we're going the next 15 miles without any water. Which we have done before. Yeah. <laughs> we will return right back to our show after a word from our sponsor. For the ultimate in backcountry comfort, check out the high-quality gear of Teton Hammock Company. Whether you're going for an overnight trip or a week-long adventure, the ultra-light outdoor equipment from the Teton Hammock Company will keep you warm, dry, and sleeping like a baby. Their products are made of top-quality materials that outperforms all others. Check them out at TetonHammocks.com. With an S, that is TetonHammocks.com. Hang with the best. Teton Hammock Company. Now back to the episode. And and so it's, or I'm literally just stuffing my pack full of water so it's so heavy and just bursting at the seams, you know? And so what I've learned is try to find the cheaper races. I mean, for us, money is something we can't just go and sign up for any race. So we got to find like the more low-key races and then we sign up for those and, you know, and use those as our training runs. Like we just did a marathon yeah. and it was like 30 bucks to sign up for this marathon. There wasn't a medal or t-shirt, but they did provide water and aid stations. And they mapped it all out for yes. us. There are people pointing us in the right direction. Yes. We don't have to pull up the map every yes. half an hour. And we weren't like racing it to like try to do the best that we've ever done. It was more of just like, we still pushed, but it was a good solid 27 mile training run. And it was so much fun to do that. And last year I did, we did the same, like with the Dugway 50K, you know, I was signed up for a 50 miler and I signed up for a 50K as a training run. Like, oh, and see, we didn't do that. Obviously 2020 was COVID and we actually had a 50 mile training we did. We were signed up for a fifty miler as a training run, but that was canceled. but that was canceled too. So we ended up doing everything on our own and doing planning out those long runs. You know, took so much work and time, and then sometimes we'd have to go ahead and put drop bags, and so and also, and it was just, it was just kind of got exhausting. Here's the thing: it's like, okay, here is a, we have to do a nine hour run this day. But we have to block out the entire day because it's going to take us a couple hours to pack all our food and go drop off the drop bag. Yeah. We have to drive here and then we take two cars so we can stop here and then drive back to that yeah. car. And then it's like a 13 took us a couple mile. hour yeah. day. It took us a couple hours to just get things set up for the run. Then we got to drive back and pick up the drop bag. Yeah, exactly. So it was literally from sunup to sundown, sometimes past sundown yeah. before we're home. And it was just... Wow. So I've just come to figure out like if you can find those races that are a little that are economical and that that will make it so much easier on you for those really big runs. Like here's the thing, if you're gonna do ultras, you're that's just a part of it. The planning, the travel, the you know, that's just a part of it. But if you can just occasionally throw in something like that where you just don't have to think about it for a weekend, it's nice. Yes, so we the race jitters like it's port it's important to go into a race put on a bib and just kind of work through race day mentally get used to it Mm -hmm. so that's been a lot of fun though i actually 
I've really started to enjoy. It's it's made running even more enjoyable for me to run in those mini races as training for the big race. And you meet people. You start showing up to races. You see people that you've seen before. You make friends. And that part's really fun, too. Another thing that I've learned or tapped into is more of this intuitive training. And I know I've talked a lot about this in the past, that, you know, listen to your body. It's so important. But I got really, really caught up in the numbers. And I'm sure you may have listened to the podcast when we did, I think it was when we did Crimson Canyon. I think it's that podcast. I talked about, I talked about some, some mental health issues and I kind of talked about getting obsessed with the numbers then, but here's the thing. I, I got so obsessed that my heart rate would go up because I was so anxious about keeping my heart rate down. And I would not, I would run with my heart rate too high, right? I wouldn't get enough time on my feet or I wouldn't stick to the numbers or my VO2 max would start to drop on my Garmin watch and it would give me so much stress and so much anxiety and and it made it hard to sleep. And it was just basically this snowball just going downhill and everything just kind of fell apart. And I, I was like, I need to stop obsessing over the numbers. So for multiple months, I took off my watch I actually just set a timer on my phone and I would just run for 30 minutes and then run for 30 minutes back. I I had no idea how fast I was going. I had no idea how far I was going. I just ran to run and I just focused on listening to my body, paying attention to my body. And, And then I eventually put my watch back on. And what I'm doing right now is I do not look at my heart rate. I do not look at my heart rate anymore. Don't get me wrong. I am 100% believer in 80-20 running. We should all do 80-20 running. You need to find a balance that works for you. Some people, you can watch your heart rate the entire time and that works. That doesn't work for me. And there's a lot of people it doesn't work for. I think listening, our our bodies, our bodies know way more than this little watch on our wrist. I don't care how expensive that watch was. Your body knows way more than that does. So I don't even look at my heart rate anymore. All I have on my watch is the distance, the time, and the total vert. And I just run. I kind of pay attention to my breathing. If I feel like running faster, I will. If I feel like running slower, I will. And here's the cool thing. I always check my average heart rate after run. It's always in my zone too. Always. Unless I do a tempo run that day. And I also have been letting myself run with people. And I know that I'm going to be outside my heart rate zone. I know I'm going to be in zone three for 12 miles running with this group of people or running with my dad, but I'm like, who cares? It's fun. I'm going to go run and have fun and I'll make sure I recover appropriately afterwards. As long as most of the time I'm in my zone two, which I am. And it's made running way more enjoyable. It's made it way more fun. And I think it's a lot more effective to train that way too, to just kind of free bird it. Like I'm going to go on this run and I'm going to sprint when I want to, going to slow down when I want to. I'm going to stop at this lake and, you know, just kind of listen to your body and, I also feel a lot more grounded and connected that way, and it's helped me get out of my burnout. So if that's something that you're struggling with, or if you find yourself getting obsessed with the numbers, go on a run without your watch. Put your watch under your bed and go on a run. Just set a timer. Maybe don't even set a timer. Just run as far as you want to run and then come back. And then practice telling people like, oh, so how far are you running? Just say, I don't know. I have no idea. I just run for fun. You know, it's not about the external validation. It's not about telling people I run eight miles a day or I run 40 hours a week. It's you do it for you. That's what running is about. It's about doing it for you. And once I figured that out, it changed my life. It changed my life. And running this year, game changer. It is, 
I, I've always enjoyed it, but this year it, it fills me up. It fills me up way more than it used to because it's about me and how I feel. So that's that's another big thing that I've learned. My problem is that I forget that I'm tracking my run and then I hop in my car and I start driving and then it beats I know, at and me. everyone's like, wow, oh, Jacob, look at your you Strava. You clocked so a 143 <laughs> mile. <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> I just You've keep... never cared about the numbers. No. Like, as you, hear, as you hear me, you're probably like, yep, yep, that's what I've been telling you for the past three years. Exactly. <laughs> I have. I mean, when I first started running, I didn't even know how far I would run. I didn't. Like, I literally just went out for the love of running. And I had no idea. People would ask me, like, oh, how far do you run? You know, because they'd see me out running in the mornings. And I'd be like, I don't know. I think it's about three and a half miles, but I'm not sure. <laughs> that's just your personality. I feel like that's how you are with everything in life. Yeah. You're always like, no, no. Yeah, sure. I got out there, though, <laughs> and it's on the trails, and it was fun, and I feel good afterwards, so yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but with that, kind of along those terms, you know, with ultra running, you do have to track, though, and you got to understand, but... It's about finding a balance. Yeah, finding yeah. a balance, but one thing that I'm doing different this year is I did not do any sprinting through, basically, ever since I started ultra running. I did when I was marathon. When I was training for a road marathon. That's all you did. Every single run was a sprint. Basically, <laughs> it was a very high intense run. But now, then I free, I cut back and then I never sprinted. And man, and be honest, it got boring. And, and I was like, I, I finally kind of just got tired of oh, going so slow all the time. And so this off season, you know, here in the winter, I decided that I was going to do a 5K training program. And it was on beachbody.com. And it was one of their programs. It's called the Breakaway 30 program. It's a program designed for runners to train for a 5K. And it also is all about lifting. It has a 30-minute run and a 30-minute lift slash or plyometric body weight stuff. So I started doing that. And... It felt good to like have wind in my face again, but not because I was just in a canyon that was super windy blowing, but literally I was making wind to where it felt like wind in my face again because I was running so fast. And I've cut it back. I only do it two days a week now because, you know, I need to get more mileage in as we're ramping things up. But Oh, it's felt good to to do the more sprinting and it's felt good to do more lifting as well because I've continued to do her lifting program as well, which is designed for runners, which awesome. And and it's been awesome and I've already feel better and I felt so broken when all I did was run. I didn't feel strong. And you know, it's not healthy for the body to only run and I didn't understand that. I thought if I run more, shouldn't I be getting stronger? But no, I felt broken. And so I started to run and lift and sprint, but not a lot of sprints, but just some sprinting. And I just feel better and I feel stronger and I feel more excited and I feel like I, I can get faster again. Amen. I've also been incorporating sprints not as much as you yet, but you've inspired me. Jacob has 
he's really been the one who's inspired me and taught me to do sprinting. But I also kind of, I was feeling really flat and heavy and, and broken as well. And I'm, I'm doing about two hours of weightlifting a week and I've been running with the, I feel like there's so many like links. I'm going to have to put the show notes here. Like I'm mentioning so many people yeah. and so many names, but anyways, I've been running with the Wasatch Run Club here in Ogden, Utah. Preston Johnson puts it on once a week and, and they sprint. And so I've been going to the track and doing some sprints and that's been fun. I've, I've been doing strides. This is a really good tip. Listen up here. If, if you do not do sprints, start with strides. So a stride is just a fun, fast run, kind of a zone three, gets your heart rate up a little bit. If you're feeling really flat in a run, or if you want to start to get into sprinting, throw in some strides, do three to five, 30 second strides on your run. Just pick five parts on your run where you're just going to pick up the pace for a minute. And that's a great thing to do when, like I said, you're feeling really flat. If if you're on a long run and you're starting to feel flat and heavy, your form's starting to get sloppy, just pick up your pace for 30 seconds and then come back into a good form. So I've I've been doing that. That's been making my my runs funner too, just to have, okay, I'm going to, you know, sprint up this hill or I'm going to sprint down this hill or sprint through this technical session, uh, section, you know, so that's a good way to start. And then you could eventually work into doing some more high intensity sprints. Find If you are going to start sprinting, I would recommend finding a coach or some kind of online coaching program. Sprinting does increase your risk for injury. So just make sure that you're easing into it and doing it safely. It's been fun. It's been exciting. So yeah, I'm, I am Honestly, like those are the three things that I know and I'm excited to implement the most. The first off, get my priorities straight, be more disciplined. Secondly, nutrition, better nutrition, more electrolytes, which is something I didn't share. I was not, I was hardly, I'd pop a salt pill every couple hours here and there. I hardly took electrolytes. Also, after every run, you eat an entire bag of yes and it's because i wasn't getting any electrolytes and so now i'm like okay get more electrolytes because a lot of nausea problems are caused by lack of electrolytes and that was my most common problem on long runs was nausea and so i'm like okay get more electrolytes get more protein more carbs you know eat good recover be conscious about a recovery you know get some sprints in and make sure I'm cross training, you know, lifting weights, you know, getting some body weight stuff into to keep my whole body healthy. So I like that's my main focus this training season. I love it. I love it. My main focus is to have fun, to train intuitively and nutrition. Nutrition is big. You know, I'm like starting to say what my main focuses are and I want to give this like huge list. Like there's so many things. Basically everything we've talked about, like it's just kind of a mod podge. I'm just kind of focusing on what I need to focus on in the moment, you know? So just, we're kind of implementing all these changes and I'm just listening to my body and giving myself what I need. So we'll keep you guys updated. And, you know, just, just a reminder here, if you're a beginner trail runner, looking to run your first trail race, maybe looking across the finish line of your first ultra race, feel free to reach out to me at pine tree running on instagram i'd love to set up a program for you help you ease into those sprints help you build a plan help you with your nutrition a little bit help you dial things in trail running is a lot different than road running so i'm happy to help you build a plan based around that 
Well, thank you for joining us, guys. This has been fun. And we will bring you more of these. We know we kind of took it. We got on the interview kick and we started just interviewing everyone. And that's been super fun. And we've learned a ton. And we have some awesome people. On yes. Podcast, yes. You think our guests that have come on have been great. Our guests that are coming on. I won't say even more great, but man, they're going to challenge them. That's for sure. (laughs) So we got great guests scheduled and we're going to try to come to you at least once a month. Just the two of us talking about updating you on our training as we get ready for the U100 yet again. Yes. And so thank you for joining us. Please go join our Facebook page. It's called Trailed 100. It's a community for beginner and ultra runners so it's a place for you to share your story with us share your story with everyone there other people who are in the same boat as you yes ask your questions share your successes and failures it's starting to grow we love it people are sharing their experiences so please come join the group and then lastly make sure you rate and review us it just helps us to be able to continue to bring on more guests and bring a higher product to you if you give us a rating and review. And you can send it to people like you who also would like to learn more about ultra running so they can cross the finish line of their first ultra. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you all next time. This episode was brought to you by Jacob the Running Realtor. Next time you move in the state of Utah, hire a realtor who understands the importance of living where you love to run. Contact me through jacobtherunningrealtor.com. That is jacobtherunningrealtor.com. Live where you run.